I want to ask, I, I want a little show of hands here. How many saw the eclipse this week? Hey, good. Good. I hope that when you looked at that, you said, my goodness, this is a wonderful example of how God works. This was not an accident, folks. If you and I were up to this and going to have an eclipse, we would have crashed the moon into <laughs> Mars or something on the way to it. So anyway, while you're standing, I want to read something from Job. This really struck me this week. Job, you know, is a, this is a great book. It's, it's not an easy book to read. But uh, Job was uh, complaining just a little bit to God. And God decided that uh, maybe Job needed some further understanding. So here's the further understanding that the Lord spoke to Job. And it's out of Job 30, uh, 38. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such arrogant words? Brace yourself, because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you know so much, do you know how its dimensions were determined and who did the surveying? What supports its foundations? And who laid the cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you ever told the daylight to spread to the ends of the earth and bring an end to the night's wickedness. And then it goes on up here. It says, can you hold back the movements of the stars? Are you able to restrain Pallades and Orion? Can you ensure the proper sequence of the seasons or guide the constellation of the bear and her cubs across the heavens? Do you know the laws of the universe and how God rules the earth? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct it? Who gives the intuition and the instinct? And then God goes on for about another chapter, sort of schooling Job here just a little bit, about the power of God. The power of God. Folks, I want you to know something. That same power of God that controls the universe, the planets, the weather, everything, is the same power that's right here in this room the very same power. And today, you could respond to God, and you can expect his God, uh, you can expect his power to come and touch your life. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for the reminder of the power of God. Father, forgive us, Lord. Sometimes we think that God works for us, and he doesn't. And sometimes we think that God doesn't care and he does. Somehow we get it into our minds occasionally that God hasn't noticed something, and yet he does. So Father, I pray this morning in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray in this worship service and in this service today as we hear from your word, Father, may there be a, a great reminder of your great power and your great substance and your great ability to intersect and intervene into people's lives. Father, without a question, there are people here today that, that really need the touch of God upon them this morning. They need something from heaven, and they're here in church. They want you to minister to them. And so I pray, Father, I pray not out of our strength, but out of our weakness. 
We call upon the amazing grace of God to, to descend into our lives and to touch our hearts and our bodies and, and all the things that are a part of us and upon us. So, Father, today, let this be a great day of celebration, of worship, of the word. Father, let us go forth from this place refreshed and strengthened so that we might show forth the might and the power of our great God. And so we thank you today, all in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. Would you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14? John chapter 14, my message this morning, I've just simply titled it, very, almost similar to last week, but very different yet, How to Know the Voice of God. I talked to you last week, can we know the voice of God? And the answer to that, of course, is yes. But uh, how do we know that it is God speaking to us? I want to know that for sure. I think you do too. I was having a conversation with somebody this, uh, just this past week, a few days ago, about this very thing right here. And, and I asked the question, I, I, I said, do you, th do you think there's a lot of people that really, really are seeking to know the voice of God? And, and the answer kind of surprised me. Uh, and, and from this person anyway, they said, I'm not sure, because I think there's sort of an intimidation here of do I, do I really know that's God's voice speaking to me, or is this something of the enemy that might be speaking to me, or is it just me speaking? You sort of have three options there, and uh, those are very real options. And so part of this message uh, this message is more teaching, I guess, than preaching here this morning. But uh, I want you to really learn something on this thing because I think, I think God definitely wants us to understand him. I think he wants to not only just communicate to us, but we, we want to have confidence in the fact he is communicating to us. That is what he's instructing us in. This is his voice, and I know what it sounds like. Now, even saying that phrase right there, I know what it sounds like, uh, could, be, uh, could be misleading because, Joanne, what, what the voice of God sounds like to you is going to be different than me. That's because we're different people. And on and on, it goes all across the board here in the congregation. That's going to change, as, but it doesn't mean that it invalidates it. So I want to read my text to you here. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. How many know who the helper is? Everybody know? That's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Okay, the helper, the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you. Verse 17, a further definition here. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you. That's good news, folks. There's something inside of every follower of Christ here this morning. There's something inside of us. There is that spiritual component in my life. That's the Holy Spirit who resides in me. And he resides in you. If you're a follower of Christ, he's residing in you. And I can tell you this for certain, he's got a word for you. He's got a message for you. He desires to communicate truth to you. 
He is the spirit of truth. He's not going to lead you into some wandering, meandering path out to the side here and nobody knows where that's going and we don't understand it. He's going to lead you in his truth with confidence and it's all going to measure up to the word of God and the counsel of God here. You can count on it. He's speaking about the work of intercession here for his disciples. Jesus is talking about the third person of the Trinity that is going to be with his disciples and going to teach his disciples and strengthen them. Jesus already made this announcement. This is prior to his death. He said, look, we know the Father is in heaven. That's his residence. We know now, and this was kind of a shock point to these disciples, it's sinking in into their lives. Jesus is going away. And he's going to explain about the crucifixion, the fact that he's going to die for their sins. And now there's some consternation here of what do we do now? We're going to be left all alone. We're going to be left out here. Uh, just how, how do we function without Jesus? And Jesus, in an anticipation, I think, clearly of these questions, says, look, I'm going to send you another helper. I'm going to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is going to take up a residence in your life. He's going to live in you. And he's going to strengthen you. <clears throat> and he's going to guide you in your life. Later on in John chapter 15, why don't you flip over one page in your Bible. John chapter 15, verse 26 says this. But when the Helper comes, from whom I shall send to you the from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. He will testify of me. Also, John chapter 16, verse 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come... Have you noticed something inside of these three chapters? The Holy Spirit has been called the Spirit of truth three times. And that should ring important in our, <clears throat> in our minds and in our lives. He will guide you unto all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is big. We have a, if you will, we have a built-in GPS in our lives. And that GPS, guess what? It's always going to point to the truth. It's never going to point off here in the corner or over here, some stray thing here, some unusual thing. It's always going to point you and me to truth. And that's inside the believer, the follower of Christ. Verse 17, I'm going back to chapter 14 now. Verse 17 says, The world is not able to comprehend the spirit of truth because the world does not accept the things of God. Listen, that's, that's pretty standard stuff, isn't it? The world does not accept what you are and who you are as a believer in Christ. The world says, hey, stay home on Sunday morning, sleep in, it's your only time you get to do that. The spirit of God says to you this morning, didn't he? He said, get out of bed. <laughs> right? How many said, you heard the Holy Spirit? Thanks, Paul. Thanks. The rest of you people. <laughs> he said, get out of bed. My alarm didn't even go off. It's Sunday morning. I don't even need an alarm. I'm up. 
ready to go here. Paul says, the, or, or Jesus said, the world doesn't comprehend this. You know, there's a pretty good example in the Bible. In fact, there's several of them. In Acts chapter 2, there was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What did the world say about that? The world says, hey, these people are drunk. These people are loaded. And it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They're already filled up with liquor. And, they're, and, and we can't understand them. It's total chaos and confusion. But that's not what Peter said, is it? Peter said, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And I wish I could read between the lines. I think Peter would have said, you should have known that anyway. But, uh, and he goes on and talks about this prophetic development. It's important for me to tell you this, I think, because we all want to hear from God. I, I can't believe there would be somebody in this room that's a follower of Christ and who would say, I don't care what God's got to say. I just don't care. I'm not interested. I want to do my thing. I'm on my own. I can think pretty good on my own. <clears throat> I can think good on my own too, but I rely on the direction and the impulse of God's Spirit to lead me. Not just say, dear Holy Spirit, lead me next week. I mean, lead me next hour. Lead me next Tuesday. Lead me at two o'clock this afternoon or whatever it is. I need the leadership of God in my life. I want to stay on track with God. I believe there's a lot who fear they're going to be <clears throat> deceived by, by Satan's voice. And the way to, to avoid that deception is to be able to recognize God's voice, to do that very well. And I'm convinced also people who are tuned into God will immediately be able to sense the deception and to recognize it immediately. Isn't there some, you, you know, I'm, I was trying to figure out a way to put this into words. And, and I'm not sure if I, I've got it down. But there's sometimes, you'll, you'll, you'll be in a conversation or you'll be in a situation, all of a sudden, ugh, something just doesn't feel right. I, I, I'm using human terms, metaphors here. That didn't feel right. That didn't sound right. I don't think that's something I should do. You know what that is? That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you. Remember, that GPS is going to be true. It's going to be pointing at truth. And you get it off kilter here, and it's going to do something to pull you back on. And a part of that is your conscience. I'll talk about that in a moment here, but I, I want us to know that we've all experienced that, haven't we? When it just, this, something just doesn't ring right. And I need to deal with it, or whatever, whatever it might be. John chapter 10 and verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. I am known by my own. In other words, you and I as followers of Christ know the voice of the great shepherd. We know that voice. Why? Because we belong to him. And that voice is going to speak in a vernacular and in a way that we can comprehend. He's going to work in our lives that way. My sheep hear my voice, verse 27, it goes on. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now, back in the day when Jesus was, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, around and this was being written here in the book of John, shepherds, the voice of the shepherd was well known to the sheep. 
You could take a strange shepherd and put it in there. Sheep aren't going to follow him because they don't know the voice. They don't understand that voice. They are listening for a voice that is <clears throat> that they hear, that they understand, and that they have confidence that knows what they're doing in their life. Let me give you some four very important steps. By the way, on the back of your church bulletin, I've kind of put an outline there if you're trying to take some notes. I've tried to outline most of everything, some of the key points anyway. I want to give you these four steps real quickly on how to avoid deception of the enemy. Number one, invest in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Now this is, this is simple, I think. I mean, it should be said. It should, this could be said of a lot of things here. But invest in your relationship to God. And this means read your Bible, study your Bible, meditate on the Word of God, and, and worship the Lord. You know, you don't have to... I, we, we enjoy coming to church on Sunday morning and worshiping God and all of this stuff. You know, you can do that at home. And, and you can do it just with you. You can do that in a car. That's a good place to worship the Lord. Get some decent music. Put that volume up on Max and start letting her rip. And I mean, just let it rip. And you can worship God doing stuff like that. Worship Him. Meditate on Him. Ask God what you... You know, this is important. <clears throat> you read something in the Bible and then say, God, what does that mean to me? How am I supposed to apply what I just read? Can, I, can you help me understand this? with a greater sense of clarity on how this applies into my life, you will be amazed at how God will respond to that and begin to show you how this can be applied, how it can be worked out in your life, and all of this. This is this communication that God desires for our lives. Number two, there is no shortcut in learning to recognize God's voice. Folks, you don't go from infancy to adulthood overnight. There is a process in this. And would you believe a part of that process also is making mistakes? Sometimes you're going to say, oh, I think I heard from God. And then you're going to get down the road a little bit and say, uh oh, ooh, I don't know if that was God. But don't worry about that. There was a question that came up last week in our little Q&A thing. <clears throat> what if I make a mistake? Look, God is bigger than mistakes, isn't he? He's a whole lot bigger than a mistake. And God can take your mistake, whatever it is, and turn the corner on that thing and bring you back into right pathways and to make blessing even out of the mistake. Don't worry about it. Well, I, I shouldn't say don't worry about it, but at the same time, don't shut yourself out and say, I don't want to make a mistake, so I'm not going to do anything. We want you to do something. The more time you spend with God, the better you'll know his voice. Matthew 13, 16 says, Blessed are your eyes, for they shall see. And here it is. And your ears, for they shall hear. Number three, the depth of your walk with God is in direct proportion to the zeal in which you seek him. If you're half-hearted, if you're inconsistent, it's going to be far more difficult for you to expect to hear anything from God because of the inconsistencies there. Number four, God keeps his promises. God tells us in very plain language that when we seek after him, we will be hearing from him. 
We've spoke about the need for prayer and the value of godly people to come alongside you. But we have spoken about the importance of the Bible and the desire of God. Now, let me, let me just share some other points. I'm going to kind of do this as quick as I can. <clears throat> Number one, and, and these are all questions. Every one, of these, every one of these little points is a question. Number one, are the promptings of God confusing? Let me answer that. This is easy to answer. Keep in mind that God is not the author of confusion. You will not find confusion coming from the voice, from the lips of God, from his spirit speaking to you in, in your spirit. There is not going to be confusion. If there is confusion, I recommend you do this. Wait on God. Wait on God until it clears up and if it continues to be confused, move on to something else. It's kind of like the, uh, the fog. I think there was a day last week I was driving over, there's a little bit of fog. And, uh, and you know, I, the fog made it somewhat, it wasn't real difficult to see, but it was obscuring some of the things, the surroundings. And if I would have waited five minutes, the sun burned that fog off as clear as a bell. Sometimes that's how it works with God. Number two, do my thoughts go against God's word? Again, I want, to, I want to be clear about this. God does not contradict himself. He does not contradict himself. If you're finding something that you think God is speaking to you about, and yet you can't back it up, verify it from the word, if I was you, I'd back up. And wait till you get solid verification from God's word and the understanding that you can gain from it. Number three, if I follow these promptings, will it lead to sin? Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 says something that's important. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let me tell you something. Anything that God is speaking to you today or at any other time in your life will not lead you to sin. If it does, it never was from God. You need to understand that. Sometimes our passion gets in front of understanding. Sometimes our wants, I really want this. I really desire this. And, and we almost go out of our way to dismiss what we might think is the prompting of the Spirit saying, no, that's not for you. That's not how I want it to work in your life. We have to be careful along that line. I want to add to this. God does not <clears throat> want us to fail. And the more we listen to God, the better we're going to know his voice and even knowing the temptations that we can avoid. Jesus, you know, he used this model of the sheep and the shepherd in John 10. And it's excellent Again, because the sheep only know the voice of the shepherd. Anybody else, they're not going to follow. And that's good for us, too. That's a good metaphor for us. Number four, how can I recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit? Uh, back to John chapter 16, verse 12. And actually, I've read this already. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you again. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you to all truth. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, 
They are the children of God. God is doing a lot of leadership today. God is doing more leadership today than I think at any other time that I've become aware of in, in my history of Christianity anyway. And I believe he wants to lead us in righteousness and truth. <clears throat> Number five, <clears throat> how can we recognize the Spirit's guidance? How, we, how do we discern between our thoughts and his thoughts? And I believe on the major pathways of guidance is through our conscience. I, I mentioned this just a moment earlier. Romans chapter 9 verse 1 says something. It says, I tell the truth in Christ. I am not, li I am not lying, my conscience also bearing witness of the Holy Spirit. Now, somebody's liable to say, wait a minute, Pastor. <clears throat> Doesn't the Bible say that your conscience can become seared? And that's correct, it can. How does it become seared? It becomes seared because we're sinned, because of sin. It becomes seared because of our pride. It becomes seared because we just don't pay any attention in disciplining our life spiritually. We don't read the word, we don't go to church, we don't pray, we don't fellowship, and all of this thing. And all of this thing can have a cumulative effect in our lives and our conscience becomes <clears throat> hardened. It can become seared. But let me tell you something. If you're walking with God, you love God. You're faithful to God. You're listening to God's word. You're praying. You have friends that you connect with that are godly people that, that lift you up and encourage you. Let me tell you something. Your conscience has been given to you by God as that, as a, as a kind of that, that uh, directional guidance signal in your life, that can guide you. It's, it's sort of like that inner GPS I was talking about a moment ago. It will guide you. You can trust your con conscience when you are walking in godliness before God Himself. Your conscience is good. God gave it to you, and it works when we let it work. I believe the Holy Spirit is at work in our life in, in many, many areas, many ways. He speaks to us, he provides us guidance. But we also know this. <clears throat> there are the whispers of Satan that can become very subtle and can even present himself in a very disguised way. Hear me, saints. Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, says this, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. This is where we need to be careful. He is a master at trying to hide his lives in a cloak of truth. God told Adam and Eve, he said, you can have anything in this garden except that tree in the middle don't eat of it. Is that clear? Don't eat. What did the temptation of Satan do? Came up to Eve and said, look, here's this tree. Has God said? That's clue number one right there. Has God said? So now we're, now we're dissing God. Did he really say that? Eve already has a, a little speck of doubt 
She just heard it. Did God say that? And then the crafty enemy just twists that, that you're not supposed to touch it. Well, that's not what God said. He said you're not supposed to eat it. He didn't say anything about touching it. You're not supposed to touch it. So you, you, you see that the angel of light here has got some momentum in Eve's mind and in Adam's mind too far as that goes. <clears throat> and they both wound up sinning. I want to settle something here about Satan and his deceptions. He has just one goal in mind. Listen to me, one goal, it's really simple. He wants, <clears throat> he wants to do you harm, he wants to hurt you. That's the goal of the enemy. It's that, it's that simple. He will make attempts to discourage you, to tempt you, to frustrate you, to depress you. His goal is always to divide you. Satan wants to put a wedge between you and God. And he will do this by driving that wedge in your life in some way. To separate you, to divide you from the presence of God and the work of God in your life. This is the goal and work of Satan. The enemy comes in with a message like this. This situation is hopeless. You blew it the last time. What makes you think you're going to be able to do it better this time? You're not, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not wise enough. You're too shy. Nobody really cares about you. There's a good one. Nobody really cares about me, Pastor. I was coming to your church, and I came there two Sundays, and nobody cared about me. So I'm leaving. That isn't the voice of God. Not even close. I'm going to give up on God. I'm giving up on God's people. There are people, folks, I know people today that are nursing wounds in their lives, and they keep those wounds active and open in their life because they continue to nurse those wounds. I was hurt. I was this. I was that. Well, I'm going to tell you, don't ever get into the ministry. Because you're going to get banged up. Like you can't believe. You're going to need a bumper on all four sides. <laughs> He's going to convince you to stay in the background. He's going to convince you to don't step up. He's going to convince you that God's people... And God's church isn't what it's cracked up to be. Uh, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. And these things are happening to you right now. Let me tell you something. You are not hearing from the Spirit of God. You are hearing from the enemy of your soul. And the enemy of your soul wants to divide you from God. He wants to drive that wedge in. The message of the Spirit is this. You are never alone because I am always with you. That's the message of the Spirit. Message of the Spirit is, you are my beloved child and I died for you. I treasure you. You are valued. That's the message of the Spirit. You do not need anything to please me because I love you already. Amen. Believe in me because I want to lead you. There's no sin in that being so serious that I cannot, there's no sin that you can accomplish that is so serious that I can't forgive you. The devil would like you to say the opposite. 
Yeah, you really blew it there. You really stuck it out there. That was a real mess up job. And if you think God is going to forgive you for that, forget it. You went around the bend, buddy. God's word doesn't say that. God's word says if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me. Amen? Hallelujah. That's one of the great verses of the Bible. Let's make sure we have a balance here, though. Does the Holy Spirit's voice always make us feel good? No. Sometimes the voice of the Holy Spirit comes in in a corrective way. And God says, look, you need to quit doing this sort of thing. You need to stop with this attitude. You need to change your, the way you think about this. You need to just stop. Now, nobody likes, I, I don't know about you, I, I'm not all that revved up and happy that God is saying, okay, I, I really need to scold you here for a while. Pay attention. And change your attitude. But what does God do? He corrects us because he loves us and he wants us to be better. Satan comes along and he judges us and he condemns us. Amen? That's how it works, folks. That's how it works. The devil says you've sinned too many times. You are weak. You are hopeless. Uh, God is against you. It simply won't do any good to repent. <clears throat> are you kidding? It's always great to repent. Satan tempts us with excuses. He keeps us trapped in our hurt feelings. He shoves us in a corner. He puts shame on us. Pride. All kinds of things flow out of out of his life. He nurses our pain. He whispers <clears throat> that we should stay away from God because after all, God was at fault. He did it. But that's not God. God does the opposite. God will never minimize your sin. Don't think God is some kind of an old softy out here that says, oh, well, I know you sin. Wink, wink. No, God will correct that. God will, because he wants to stabilize you in your faith. But the Spirit will tell you what you need to do to make it right and to make it God. Has this message helped you? Yeah. I hope it did. Okay, I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to do that thing that we did last Sunday. And we'll do a little Q&A. Isaac and Jacob, would you mind helping me again? You did a great job last time. Appreciate you. And um, we'll take a question. Look, this isn't going to happen after every message I preach. I just guarantee you. You may not see this for a generation. But, um, okay. Anybody over here? See, they're anxious to get to the cookies. <laughs> Anybody over here on this corner? There's Craig. What, what's your best check if it's, uh, is this God? Is this the Holy Spirit? Is this, is this the right thought? Okay, I, I think, you know, I think I'm going to offer you maybe several points into that. Kind of a collection of things. When I say, is this really God speaking? Is this really what he wants me to do? Or, or is this just me or, or even the enemy? Number one, I get into the word. I get deep into the word. I begin to search the word. Number two, I begin to pray earnestly. I want to hear your voice, Father. 
I want that. And I pray something else. Lord, if this is not for you, slam that door shut so hard, so loud, that even a moron like me could figure this thing out. Okay? Prayer. And then it's sort of some of the things I talked about last night. Then I go to people like yourself. Craig, this is what, what I think God is saying to me. What's your, what's your thought on it? And I'm hoping that you're spiritually sensitive enough to say, well, listen, I think that's the craziest idea I've ever heard. Or I think, yeah, I think maybe God's into this. Let's pray together about it. And I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm, I'm taking in guidance from God, guidance from his spirit, guidance from godly people, guidance maybe from a circumstance that I might be around. <clears throat> and I give it some time so that I know I'm not going to rush this. Okay, God, I need to know this by tomorrow afternoon. Now, I've done that a time or two. Well, maybe more than that. But, um, but it's usually after long periods of kind of prayer and waiting and stuff like this, I've got a deadline. I need to make a decision on this. And right now, Lord, if I'm, I don't think I'm hearing clear enough from you, but my decision is to do this. If you think that's wrong, slam the door. Speak to my heart. Move me away from it. That's it. This is easy. Anything else? Boy, I must be a really good teacher in this stuff. <laughs> well, listen, I, I... Oh, I'm sorry, there's a question there. Okay, first of all, I believe that Satan has come to divide. He's dividing our country and our nation, like you said. He's, the division is there, and I had a conversation last night with someone, and he chose to not see what was really going on in the truth realm or whatever, and I guess it's so hard for me, like, I guess I don't understand. Some people are just blinded to the truth. And I guess I have a hard time understanding if God can, you know, God can change our hearts. And I don't understand why in, in this instance, you know, it's like he just chose not to see the truth of what was mm -hmm. going on. And I guess I don't, I don't know if he believes that the devil is real yeah. or and my question is, I guess, if God can change someone's heart, you know, like he, he hardened Pharaoh's heart. And I always had that question. So if God can choose to change someone's heart, why, you know, okay. why is his heart not changed? Okay, good. Good question. Let me answer it in two parts. First of all, part of my text that I read this morning, you might remember this, it says... The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. Now, in saying that, when we're, when we're speaking to the uh, people who are not redeemed, they're, they're unsaved, perhaps. Well, they, they would be. Uh, it should not surprise us that they don't receive this, because these truths are spiritually discerned. 
And so they don't understand that. Now, let me flip that coin over. Because you have spoken truth to them, this is something that I believe the Holy Spirit can use in their lives to begin to kind of chip away at that little hard shell, at that lack of understanding, or even open a door to a further conversation about, <clears throat> about God in their life and doing things like that. I, I, I don't believe God wastes these moments. They're frustrating to us because, you know, we're sitting here having a conversation with this person that uh, probably doesn't know anything about the Lord and we're talking about what's happening in our nation or whatever it might be, and they just seem oblivious to it. They don't care about it. And it frustrates us because we want to see them see it the way we do. Because we, we know how valuable this is. We know what we have in Christ. And we want that for them. But they, they, are, not, they are not spiritually discerning that at this point. But don't give up because I, I really believe the Spirit of God kind of sort of uses this as a little hammer. And every time you have an opportunity, that hammer gets a little harder, a little louder. And it starts banging away at that, that, uh, that hardness or that, that obstinance or something. And, and the thing that's going to win them is your love for them. You know, the thing you don't want to do, Linda, is say, well, if you had any brains at all, you could see this. That won't work well. That ain't going to work well. Because they're going to see how you love them and care for them, and that you're not turned off because they have a different opinion or something. They will come, God will use this to bring them around. So keep it up. Keep it up. It's a hard job. It's a tough job. I, I'm not quite hearing you. And what really happened last night is there was a conversation between two people, and the really the spiritual warfare that's going on, the one person misinterpreted what the other person said, and it caused a major conflict. Yeah, that's, ooh, that's, a, that's a tough one, and I, I'm not sure how you can control that as sort of the third person in that triangle when you have that misunderstanding going on. Again, all you can be, the best thing you can be is a loving person, a caring person, and a person filled with truth. And if there's a way to mediate, you gotta be careful on that one. But if there's a way, I say that with oodles of caution. Uh, just be careful. You don't wanna be the third man in the triangle that gets shot. But um, I think, I think I, I still, I'm gonna go back to what I previously said. I think you, you still are gonna make headway. Would you, oh, there's somebody back there. I just wanted to expand uh, on what you said earlier about going to a friend with something when you hear from the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's beneficial to everyone to have an accountability partner that is not your spouse. It can be anybody, but what is shared with that person stays between you and that other person. That also can be done in what we call small group Bible studies, uh, where you do it during the middle of the week. Uh, my wife and I just recently moved up here from Florida, bought a place in Humboldt, and we were in a small group for about 25 years. And we were very 
intimate in our small group. We helped each other through some very difficult situations and we cried with one another, we rejoiced with one another. So it is, is very beneficial to either get into a small group or have a accountability partner. Thank you. And I think, you know, when people are in a small group such as that, and especially over a long period of time, you're gonna have a high degree of discerning of spirit, high degree. And uh, that's a good thing. We'll meet you halfway, Kevin. Uh, in life, we get desensitized. We spend so much time listening to the world, to the TV, to the radio, not spending time with God in the Word. We wind up not even noticing because we hear the garbage so often you don't hear it anymore. You don't discern between the two. You know, Kevin, that's a great observation, and, and you're exactly right. Um, I'm not going to try to fall one way or the other about how, whether you should watch television or not. But if you're watching television, you're going to get a lot of junk. You're going to pick up a lot of junk. And this junk has a cumulative effect in your mind, mentally, and spiritually. I, I, I was having a fairly sleepless night last night. So I turned on the TV And I, that did not help my sleeplessness. And now, now I'm scared to death that these monsters are going to come out of the wall and, and consume me and throw me into the next galaxy or something. You know, all of this stuff has an effect on us. I, you know, saints, hear me. Hear my heart. It's not cute or smart to watch this junk. Junk. It's going to affect you mentally and spiritually. And if you're not doing a whole lot spiritually in between Sunday to Sunday, wow. That, that gap gets bigger and bigger. And when you say, I want to hear from God, I mean, I think God will talk to you. But first, he's going to probably tell you, clean it up. And you're, you're exactly right, Kevin. We have to be cleansed in our mind and our spirit. And there's only so much of that we can take. I turned the, I turned the tube off. It was, I said, I don't need this. This is Saturday night, and Sunday is coming. And we just don't need it. And if you think you need to figure out what Harry Potter does the next episode, you're nuts, too. That opened the old can of worms up, didn't it? I did that intentionally, by the way. One more. This is the last one. What are the consequences of not listening to God's voice? What, what are the what? consequences of not listening to God's voice? Well, I think the consequences are really many. One, uh, you've seen, uh, I don't know if they have these things anymore. When I was a kid, they had pinball machines. You know, a little silver ball goes up and bounces all over the place. and That's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to go bouncing all over the place. You're going to, oh, oh, I heard from this over here, and I heard from this over here. And you say, oh, that must be God. This must be God. No, it isn't. 
and you're just gonna you're just gonna be you're gonna be subject to the winds and the waves. Every Paul said this, in, uh, I think First Timothy, every wind of doctrine that blows you this way and that way, and you know what the problem is? You're never gonna be effective because you're waiting for the next wind to blow. You're more interested in the wind blowing than honestly getting down on your knees and on your face before God and say, God, I want to serve you and be effective. I want to be listening to you. I want to get into the word. I want to be a woman of prayer. I want, <clears throat> I want to be able to discern what you are saying to me, and that will make you effective. Anything else, anything else is probably going to be a recipe, somewhat a recipe for just, just you might, I, I'm going to use this word carefully. I don't have a, you might just get lucky. <laughs> See, I don't like that word. You, you might just be a, an ox that stumbles into the ditch and just hit it right. But that's not good enough. Not in this day. We're, this is dangerous stuff today. You can't afford to be just bouncing around and kind of flip-flopping this way, that way, and, oh, this is the new thing over here. Let's chase it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Stop it. Get on your face before God. And I mean on your face. Find the closet. Shut the door. Stay in there until you heard from God. And I tell you what, God will start using you like you can't believe. He'll, he'll open doors. That I had no idea that door was there. Okay? Let's stand. Our Father, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you for each life that's in here in this room, and we thank you for their hearts. I believe every heart in this room. I feel optimistic this morning that every heart wants to be for God. Every heart in here wants to do what God wants them to do. And Father, if there's somebody in here that <clears throat> is on their life journey and they're not exactly sure where they are right now with, with God, Father, would you help them to pray, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I know there's something better than what's been going on. And I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me into all truth. But first of all, I want you to take my heart. Cleanse it from sin. Help me to repent. Help me to believe with all of my heart on you. I want to know you as my Savior. I'm going to do that today, right now. Father, thank you so much. I thank you for your word. I have no idea what we'd be doing without your word. So thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Lift your hands. Let's ask the blessing of God. Father, may the Lord bless and keep every person in this room. Father, cause your face to shine upon them. And as it shines upon them, I pray that you will lead them into truth. You will lead them into pathways of victory. You will lead them in triumph. Father, you're going to lead them with confidence because they know they can hear from you and that you are speaking to them. So, Father, let that be accomplished in our lives today to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.